Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Yarn Thing Podcast with Marley Bird. I am your host, Marley Bird. You can catch the Yarn Thing Podcast live every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 10 o'clock Mountain Time. That's 12 o'clock on the East Coast, 9 o'clock on the West Coast, and 11 o'clock in the Midwest. If you are anywhere else in the world and would like to join us live for the broadcast, please Google what time 10 o'clock Mountain Time is for you. I do live in Denver, Colorado. You can come and join the fun. We also do a live Facebook live broadcast during the podcast. That's a lot of casting going on there. <laughs> so you are welcome to join us over there and watch that behind the scenes video. But it's on the Marley Bird Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Marley Bird. You'll find me there. Let's say thank you to our sponsors, Buffalo Wool Company, Creative Bug, Erin Lane Bags, Craftsy.com, Stitches.Events, and Red Heart Yarn. We're on the proud national spokesperson. All right, everybody. So excited to have you here today for the podcast. I am uh, having a really nice week so far. I know it's only Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. But uh, it is it just, it feels like spring, right? It is spring and the weather is wonderful and it's sunny. And I think there's something to that whole, you know, just having a beautiful forecast, I guess. And it just, it rejuvenates the soul. It just real, really feels good. I feel like I have a lot of new beginnings going on and I'm wrapping up a lot of things that I've been working on. And so it just, it just feels good. I hope all of you are having that same experience. Uh, so I'm excited about today's podcast because I have a first-time guest on the show, and I am a, I'm a huge fan of her work. I have been following her for a while now, and I was excited when I found out she was coming on the podcast to talk about her brand new book. And so let's go ahead and welcome Barbara Benson to the podcast. Hello, Barbara. How are you? I am just fine. And you, Marley? I am doing fantastic. I must say, your whatever you're doing to call in sounds fantastic. I have a fancy microphone that I use for my videos. Perfect. See, that's perfect. I have mine too, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it sounds as great as yours, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> so, where are you calling us from? I don't even know. I don't know where you live, or if the weather's great where you are. Well, the smart answer is I'm calling you from my basement, <laughs> but I am in uh, Tucker, Georgia, which is just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. So it's a little chilly today, but otherwise it's lovely weather. Yeah, very cool. I love Georgia. I think it's just beautiful there. Beautiful there. So Barbara, you are you are a crazy busy woman, and uh, you have just been doing a lot of really great things. Um, I know you're you're a mom, you're a knitter, you 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 just you just do so much. But where did it all start with you? Like, when did you become a fan of knitting? Um, not that long ago, in the grand scheme of things, um, because I know so many people I run into. It's like I've been knitting for like forty years. And I started knitting about, um, I think I started knitting in 2010. Okay. And it was after my son was born and a friend of mine came over because, you know, when you first have a kid trying to figure out how to relate with your friends and rework those relationships is kind of hard. So she came over and she's like, you crochet, right? I'm like, kind of. And she came over and we did a crochet project together. And she's like, now you need to put this on Ravelry. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> she, was like, she was like, you have to join this thing and you have to put this on Ravelry. So I did. And very quickly after browsing the database was like, uh, I got to learn how to knit. <laughs> because, well, there are lovely, lovely crochet things. The, the knitting was just calling to me. There were so many beautiful things. So um, I just kind of jumped in with both feet and started knitting. I Teaching myself mostly off of combinations of like videos and all kinds of stuff and books. You know, I got this stitching bitch like everybody else in the world and yeah. um, just, just went crazy from there. I'm kind of the person who it's kind of all or nothing with me. It's like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And that's what yeah. happened. 
I love it. I love it. So, you know, it, it's fascinating. You're one of the few people that have taught yourself. Um, with a lot of different people I've had on the show, it's usually a family member or a, a friend or a coworker has taught them. Um, so it's, it's nice to hear somebody else who taught themselves. Like, that's wonderful. Well, my friend who who came over with the crochet, once I expressed interest with knitting, she did help me out. I mean, it was she, she gave me some pointers and everything, but I, you know, she had a full-time job and was not always available when I was trying to figure things out. Right. So that was actually going to be my next question is it's often that people who become designers are coming from a previous job. Did you have a, you know, a real job? And I, I use those in, in, you know, quotation marks because so many people I know are like, oh, she was just a stay at home mom. It's like, no, dude, that is a hard job. But you know what I mean? It's like, did you work outside of the home or what did you do before you were a knitwear designer? Well, I was, um, my schooling and what I went to school for is actually printing and printing technologies. And I worked in a bunch of different printing companies, but then um, we ran into a situation where my husband and I knew that one of us was going to stay home if we had a child. And my husband actually got a raise that was equal to my salary. Oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me. And it was one of these, yeah, either we can increase our standard of living or we can go ahead and learn how to live on one salary. So yes. I became a yeah, so I became a stay-at-home mom, but it took us 5 years to have a kid. So there was an extended <laughs> period of time where, where um we were having fertility issues and so I was stay at home, but there was no kid and I didn't actually. I wish I had found knitting there, but instead I found medieval reenactment. Oh, wow. That's so I spent, yeah, I spent about 15 years doing medieval reenactment, um, which again is kind of a whole hog kind of thing, but then was not particularly compatible once I did have my child. So I was used to doing a lot of creative stuff and knitting really felt, filled that void for me. Wow. Now I've, I've got to ask what, what I I've never been to um, medieval reenactment. Like what does that constitute? What is, what do you do? Well, uh, it depends on the kind you're doing. Um, I did the, the organization I participated with focuses on pre 16th century European cultures. So okay. it's old world and Pretty much anything that was done during that time period, somebody in the organization does. I specifically concentrated on uh, the medieval culinary arts of Europe and the Middle East. So I did a lot of experimental cooking and, and things like that and re trying to read manuscripts. And I also did uh, what's called calligraphy and illumination which mm -hmm. is if you've ever seen the old Bibles or old manuscripts that have like painted images in them yes. is learning yes. how to do that kind of painting. And that was a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, but they have weekend long events where we would go to like a state park and dress up like we were medieval people and watch people fighting each other with fake, with uh, swords and uh, cook meals and do dancing and all that kind of stuff. Wow. That fun. Wow. Yeah, it's too bad you weren't knitting at that time, too, because that would have been that would have fit in somewhere, right? Oh, yes, it, it definitely would have. But not the kind of knitting I do now. <laughs> they were very. Um, way. So, I'm sorry, I missed that. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you were saying they were very something, but I missed the last part. Oh, um, you know, you only could do stuff that that you can document to before the 1600s and what I do is not. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So here you are, you learn to knit, you see all the beautiful things on Ravelry and what was it that you gravitated towards first? And uh, as far as even before designing and, or did you jump in and start designing immediately? Um, uh, it took me about maybe maybe nine months to a year to start designing my own stuff. Okay. Uh, I was pretty, 
pretty quick. Um, I was, this is, I'm the biggest nerd on the face of the earth. So my friend that had me post specifically was like, you have to join the Harry Potter knit crochet house cup. Yes. <laughs> Which is a rep. Yes. And I'm a Slytherin. And, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so there's yeah, it's ridiculous. And so there's all these challenges that you have to come up like they make up classes and you have to find a pattern that fits the challenge. And when I couldn't find a pattern I liked to fit the challenge, I would just start making things up by well, I discovered stitch dictionaries and the idea that I'm like, hey, I can take this pattern that I have and and take this stitch and make something different and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Right. Because <laughs> it was right. like, hey, I can do this. <laughs> and it, I love it. What well, when you started designing, I mean, so I remember I never participated in the Harry Potter stitch cup sort of thing, but I remember watching it because, you know, you would get the updates of what your friends are doing on Ravelry and such. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have, like, was it specific patterns you had to do in the sense of, was it, it had to be a shawl or it had to be a scarf or it had to be a sweater? Um, no, it would be more like it's your potions class and you have to have something that involves vines or something like that, or herbology class. And so, I mean, they were really flexible about what you can, as long as you could make up a story to make it fit, you can do pretty much whatever you want. But I'm the kind of person that wants to, yeah, I'm over the top. And that's just the way I love it. I love it. I love it. So what is it that you like to knit now? Do you do a lot of shawls? Do you do a lot of sweaters? Um, What is it that you like to knit and why do you like to knit those particular items? Well, I will confess I have never knit an adult sweater. Um, I, I am an accessories girl. And honestly, when it comes down to it, I just like to knit. I am very much a process knitter. And the only reason I ever actually finish something that's like a something like a shawl is because People don't don't really buy patterns if there's not a photograph of <laughs> what they're going to knit. Um, they say like, wait a minute, I can't I can't just say so. Here's a stitch pattern. You're gonna have to trust me. You you, you gotta finish stuff. Yeah. And but yeah, I love shawls, but I also really like cowls and hats and fingerless mitts and I need a pillow for my book and I loved making the pillow because you know it's really just like shawls it's really just a um, canvas for your 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 stitch work uh, I like I like the process of knitting yeah. uh, it's, it's not necessarily the end product that I'm yeah. all about that's so cool and I like I like things that are pretty, too. I absolutely do. When you first started designing, then, you're doing this uh, for mainly what you're doing on Ravelry. When did you decide, okay, I'm going to I'm going to write up my design, and I'm going to sell it, and then I'm going, maybe I'm going to approach some yarn companies and see if they're interested. And, like, kind of tell me how the flow of your career began to where now you have this wonderful book. It's a long road. Um the first thing I actually wrote up was a pair of fingerless mittens for a child, for my son. And it was because he saw me knitting something for my sister. And he was like, I want pair those. And I was like, okay, I'll just make them smaller. And then I realized that the cables were out of proportion and I actually had to completely rewrite the increases on the gusset. And in the end, I had a pair of fingerless mitts that looked like tiny replicas of the original mitts, but really had almost nothing in common with them as far as the structure of it. And they were a free pattern. The originals were a free pattern from Myra Wood. And so I contacted her and said, hey, I've done this. And I thought maybe other people would want to knit a kid-sized version. Would it be okay if I wrote this up and put it up? And Uh she was incredibly gracious, and she said, go ahead. It was already a free pattern. And the thing that hooked me was the very first time someone actually put a project page after I uploaded this, 
and it was a woman who said, my son had to go to a um, field trip, and he said he needed something to keep his hands warm, and we didn't have anything, so I knit these up, and they were two different colors, but here they are. And then there was this picture of her son, like, sitting in line waiting for the bus with holding up his hands with the mittens on. Oh. And, they were in, and they were in Hong Kong. Oh, wow. And my mind was just completely blown the idea that i could write something up and then a little boy in hong kong had warm hands and that just i was like this is amazing and that's what really made me want to design more because the idea that it's like a like i'm working with these people from all over the world even though it's like a silent partnership uh, that they can they can have something that brings them comfort or joy because of something I did just makes me really, really happy. So after that, it was just kind of like, let's go for this. And I was like, (laughs) I like, I like shawls. Maybe, maybe I should design shawls. And, and then I, I designed some shawls and people liked them. And I just kept designing shawls because I enjoyed them. And Uh You had said what got me started working with yarn companies. Yeah. Um, hmm. I did. I didn't for the longest time. It was just me buying yarn and knitting because I felt like it. And then as I um, got to know some other designers and mm-hmm. learned about the idea of yarn support, I would make. I I did. I proposed to some magazines and. Magazine work has never been a big part of my my whole design career because my brain doesn't work in response to mood boards. <laughs> I, I, I no. yes, totally understand. External, it, it's and and the stuff I do. I spend a lot of time knitting and swatching and in development, and me coming up with something can take a month because I'm experimental, and they want the proposal in like three weeks. So my time frame doesn't just doesn't work very well. But um, I did send out some proposals and received some support. And then the thing that really started me working with yarn companies was going to TNNA. Yeah. Did I put, did I put too many ends in there? No, no, that's all right. <laughs> TNA. That's, I mean, my, my husband, now he's used to it, but he used to say TNA, what? I'm like, no, 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 TNNA. And he's like, okay. But still his friends think it's so funny that I go to the TNA. And I'm like, no, it's TNNA. Come on. <laughs> but, but yes, yeah. it was going, it was going to TNA, TNNA <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that really got me meeting more designers and the first one I went to was the one that was in Indianapolis. Oh, okay. And, um, and actually it was, I had gotten a piece into twist collective and I actually physically dropped off the piece at TNNA and started meeting all kinds of stuff. And that really to tie things in the piece that I dropped off was, Courant, which once I came up with the mosaic lace concept with my first shawl, which was um, mosaic lace, which was golden lion throne. Yes. Once I figured out that I could do color work and lace together, which I had been told I couldn't. And I was like, but I want to, so we're going to. Once I figured out that I could do it together, I'm like, so what's the next logical step? I wanted to push it as far as I could. And I was like, let's try color work and Estonian lace because that will be fun, right? (laughs) Why not? Let's do it. Why not? And um, I proposed it to Twist Collective, and they were just crazy enough to let me do it. And I turned that in. And I don't know what the time frame was, but that – pattern in Twist Collective is what the editor from my publisher saw and she saw it and loved it and contacted Twist Collective to get my information and then contacted me and asked me to do a book. So, How cool so that's, is that? 
So that's how that whole thing came around in a circle. You never know who's going to see what where, you know? That is, that's the God's honest truth. That's the God's honest truth. That is so cool. So here you are. You have a wonderful book, Mosaic and Lace Knits. Um, it's, I'm going to bring, I have it, I have it on uh, digital, everybody. So that's why I am, I look like I'm looking away if you're watching me on Facebook <laughs> Live because I have it on my other screen, but I just pulled it in front of this one. Um, so beautiful. Like even just the cover piece itself is like, wow, it is striking. Um, so talk, let's talk about the book, Mosaic and Lace Knits, everybody. 20 innovative patterns combining slip stitch color work and lace techniques by Barbara Benson. Um, I did put my Amazon affiliate link in the Facebook um, live post if you guys are interested in purchasing the book right now if you just don't want to wait. And it will also be in the show notes later. But Barbara, tell me about this book. Ooh, um, that's a very broad question. Um it has, well, there's a reason why it's called mosaic and lace as opposed to mosaic lace. Because I, when, when the color work and the lace is interacting, I call it mosaic lace. But as I said, the experimental development of these stitches, do, it takes time. And I had six months to do the patterns for this book. So I didn't think that I could, two reasons. I didn't think I could get enough that I liked the quality I've done in the time period, but I also wanted to have pieces in the book that were on lower on the complexity scale. So there are pieces in the book that have both mosaic color work and lace, but that don't interact with each other. So you're working them like in separate panels. And then there are pieces that, have the mosaic lace where the color work interacts and I should probably explain what mosaic is do you think yes yes I was actually going to ask that it's like you're reading my mind (laughs) (laughs) well what mosaic is and one of the reasons I love mosaic is because I consider it kind of cheating it is working with you're knitting stripes you're only working with one strand of yarn at a, a given time you're not you're not stranding your yarn. You're not carrying any yarn across the work. You're just knitting a stripe, but strategically slipping stitches. And when you strategically slip those stitches over two rows, it creates a band of the previous stripe color across those rows. And it gives you the illusion that you've done some complex stranded color work when in fact you're just knitting stripes and slipping stitches that's that's all you're doing and it's actually really easy it's like just one step up from knitting stripes because as far as I'm concerned the slip stitch is the easiest stitch you can possibly do because you're you're not even knitting it you're just moving it from one needle (laughs) to the other needle and you're good to go (laughs) it's it's super easy um but oh I distracted myself I'm sorry (laughs) That's okay. oh, um, but so the mosaic is easy. And one of the challenges when I was initially trying to combine lace and color work was that if you're doing stranded knitting, those carried strands of yarn um, are visible through the lace. So right, it gets confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and so my solution was to do the slip stitch color work or or Barbara Walker called it mosaic color work. Um, all mosaic color work is slip stitch, but not all slip stitch color work is mosaic. So there is a differentiation there. I'm primarily working from or through mosaic patterns, which are more repeated geometric patterns. Uh-huh. But I like, I like things that are like curvy and flowy and drapey. And I've always loved mosaic, but have you ever have you ever felt mosaic fabric? It tends to be fairly dense because you have all these slip, you have all these slip stitches going on and it compacts your fabric. And in the experimentation, I have found that adding the lace gives the mosaic fabric flow and drape. So the, the two techniques play really well together together. And what the mosaic brings to the lace is, Lace work tends to be very, um, again, geometric. 
Um, you can get diamonds and squares fairly easily, but curves don't come naturally due to the nature of lace because it's just you can get the yarn overs to line up, but it's a little more challenging. And I found that when you add in the slip stitches, it sort of distorts your stitches and you can get curves. Like on the cover you, of the cover piece, Fractured Helix, you can see those swooping curves that if it was just a lace pattern, instead of it curving the way it does, it would just be straight, almost a zigzag line. Right. Um, so I just, I, I just love playing with it. And half the time I've done a chart and I know it's going to work, but I really have no idea what it's going to look like until I actually swatch it because I, I'm not a hundred percent to the point where I can predict how the stitches are going to interact. It's a lot of fun. I, but, I so love the book. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. No, no, no. You keep going. I don't want to. I'm distracting you. Stop. Go. (laughs) (laughs) But the book is is a result of that exploration. Um, So there are pieces that have, as I said, the mosaic and just the lace separate. So they don't interact. So it's not as intimidating. But the lace still gives the flex and flow to the fabric. So there's... um, the bifoliate slouch is a, it has the slouch in it because it has bands of lace. If that was just straight mosaic, it probably wouldn't be quite as floppy as it is now. Right. Um, and then the mosaic lace ones, um, you way back when you earlier said what kind of things I like to knit. Uh, I yeah. like, I, I frequently say I like to knit accessories mostly because I don't like weaving in ends (laughs) (laughs) I I want to knit something that only has a couple of ends and once you get into larger things you're getting into more balls of yarn you're getting into more ends you have to weave in but then I started doing all this color work and kind of messed myself up (laughs) right right Um, but most of them only have two skeins of yarn so I love it. I love it. I'm going to ask a question about the chart because so I'm, I'm a huge fan of charts, both knitting and crochet. And um, like to the point that I will chart out an entire sweater. So that way I can just follow the, and I can see how the shaping is going to, like it just works. Right. So when you set out to create a chart for one of these, like my instinct would be to chart out completely whatever my lace stitch is going to be and then go in and color all of the squares, whatever I wanted the color to be. Is that how it works? Um, yes and no, because um, mosaic, since mosaic isn't stranded, you can't just put color wherever you want it. Um, There has to be a stitch there to slip. So uh, sometimes you can't do exactly what you want to do because of how the stitches interact. Um, One comparison I've made is, so if you want to build a house and you just have an architect and you draw a house from scratch, you can put absolutely everything you want into the house and it's going to be perfect and it's going to be exactly what you want, but it might not have a lot of character. Whereas if you take an old house and you have to go in and you have to renovate it and you have a set of instruct a set thing there that you have uh, rules that you have to work within and sometimes it forces you to be a little bit more creative and then you get things that are that are interesting if i could just put a color anywhere i want um i might never have come up with half the things i did because the mosaic forces you to to improvise and it's like, I want this color here, but because I slipped that on the previous row, I can't slip it again because I can't get that color. So it, it fights me sometimes, but it it makes it fun and challenging. I love this. You know what? So there's a piece in here. I'm looking through the book and I'm full disclosure. I looked at the patterns on Ravelry first before I got the Mm -hmm. book and I saw this piece, and I was like, yeah, that's okay. But as I'm looking through the book, and I'm looking at the instructions, and I'm looking literally more at the closer detail of the Tamiami Trail scarf, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, my ma'am. gosh. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, 
please take this as a compliment. The picture doesn't do it justice for how awesome the stitch is and the color and how this works. Like, I'm looking at it just like, that is so cool how that works together. <laughs> it, almost so looks cool. like, it almost looks like cables, doesn't it? Yes, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, it's not. Oh it's, it's just, that one is literally, all it is is simple increases and decreases. It's it is so yarn over. Awesome flip flips it in knit two together and that's all that's in that scarf and it is so cool it is so cool Thank the you. other one i really like but i liked this one on ravelry too was the is a quadruple cap like there's some yes. there's there's a lot going on in that like i just want to look at it i'm just so intrigued by it um that one i i love a hat with a good crown you know yeah. that's my favorite part of a hat and that piece is actually started top down so that I could get the stitches to converge the way they did. And that one gave me some, some headaches because the stitches oh don't necessarily do what I want them to do. But thank you. I, I really like that one too. I was actually, I kind of wanted that, the photograph that's just the top down so you can see the crown of the hat. Yes. I kind of wanted that as the cover. But that's... my publisher was like, no, you have to have a person's face on the cover. And so they wouldn't right. do that. I know. No, that is that is so pretty. I mean, it's just like I I have done some mosaic work and I've done lace work, but I've never combined the two. And that's one of the things that I've always is found intriguing about your work, um, is that you you do that. And I mean, there's totally honest. There's the part of me that's like, oh, that just looks like it's too much concentration for the end of the day. That I I just don't have that. But what you're saying is it's really not that hard at all. Yes. Um, some of the pieces, I'm not going to lie. Some of the pieces, yes, you're not watching TV while you're doing this, but some of the other, some of, I like giving people a lot of bang for their buck. I want the piece to look like they did something that's much more complex than what they actually did. And I also like making things that make even experienced knitters look at it and do like the dog head tilt, like, huh? Yes. How'd you do that? Um, and it's, it's just, I like, I like challenge. I do like challenging myself and I'm not going to say that these patterns are, are appropriate for a beginner because they're not. The, the book is written with the idea that you already have at least a decent relationship with lace. Right. Um, you have to be able to read charts. And you have to at least have a basic understanding of how lace works. And you can be starting from scratch with mosaic, but we weren't, this is not a step one, learn how to knit book. It starts with the assumption that you have a certain level of understanding of lace. Um, where'd I go with that? <laughs> I, just kind no, of you, I was asking, you yeah, I was asking how difficult it is, but I think that's good. Cause you know what? Um, this is kind of good. So I'm doing an, a, a, a knit along here. It starts actually in a couple weeks on May 3rd mm-hmm. and it's like, it's sort of an introduction to lace. So this would be a good way as I am talking to them very simply about lace, but this might be a good thing. Okay. I, I kind of know some lace and I, I could do slip stitch stuff. Maybe I can jump in and, um, give one of these a try. So with that in mind, what would be one of the pieces that you would say, you know what, this is probably, the easiest piece in all of it. And this is where you should start if you're going to, you know, if this can be your first thing. That's a hard question. I know, right? <laughs> well, are you asked, um, so you're talking about the stuff where the mosaic lace, where the lace and the mosaic actually interact. Um, the patterns in the book, any of them. Um, well, of all the patterns in the book, there's one pattern. The mitten pattern is just straight mosaic. There's no lace in it at all. I wanted to have the one pattern where you can just start. And that one is super simple. It's in bulky yarn and it looks fancy because I used a solid and a variegated yarn. Uh So it makes it look like you did something fancy, but you're really, it is, it is super, super easy. Um, The, believe it or not, the Clupiade scarf. Okay. um, it's green and kind of a blue green. Yes. That one is actually, if you look at the chart on that, that uh-huh. is very straightforward. 
Um, there's not a whole lot. It's, it's a very straightforward piece. The only complexity in that is the actual construction of the piece, um, which was my solution. You know how people like to take a big, long scarf, fold it double into a loop, and then tuck the ends through? Yeah. That, that way of wearing a scarf? Well, my problem with that is when you do that, you're showing one right side and one wrong side of your scarf to the world. Yes. So the the way that scarf is constructed is you cast on and you work what I call the first leg, uh-huh. transfer it to waste yarn, cast on another leg, knit it the same length, and then you put them together, putting them so both right sides are facing in the same direction, and uh-huh. then work work across the stitches, uh, knitting them together to join them. Then you continue knitting until you've made... Um, another link that you pull it around and whip stitch it together to make a loop. So you have a two tail on one side and the loop on the other side, and then you can just tuck the tails through the loop, but both right sides are showing. I Um, love it. So that one is the lace on that one is very straightforward and believe it or not, um, love child. Oh, the shawl love child is much, much easier than it looks. Um, it isn't even it isn't even a chart. It's it's written out, and that's one of the asymmetrical shawls that start in the upper right hand. You know, it starts at a tiny corner and gets bigger and bigger. The only thing fiddly about that is there's a triple increase on the the front front side, and then a, it's a little fiddly, but you can figure that out fairly quickly. But it's the stitch is I think it's five stitches wide uh-huh. and it's only it's only four rows and you're working this same stitch over and over and over and over and over again but when you start got rows one and rows one and two are in color a and rows three and four are in color b and you work those four rows three times and then you work a there and back again of stockinette and when you do that, what it does is it swaps your colors. And so now rows one and two are color B, and rows three and four are color A, and it changes the color dominance of the color work. So you get these things that look like bands of big color where you're just working the exact same stitch throughout the whole thing. I love it. I love it. Uh, so awesome. Was that, was that no, confusing? That was perfect because there are going to be people that are like, well – Maybe they aren't completely comfortable with lace yet, but they will be. And so this could be definitely on their their bucket list of this is what I yeah. could go to, which is great because I mean this is a this is this is a really exciting thing to be able to do with your yarn. And as you said, you know, slip stitches and lace, just combining the two, whether they are mixed together or, you know, separate but in the same project, that's just beautiful. That's a great way to do it. Thank you. I've actually had feedback um from some knitters. Oh. <laughs> you started playing one of my videos. I did. I was like, oh, I clicked the YouTube channel. Then I started, I was like, oh, well, I'll just pause. <laughs> um, I recognize that music. So yeah. I've actually had feedback from some knitters who came at it that they were already comfortable with color work, but they were kind of iffy on lace. And they found that doing the mosaic actually helped them with the lace. And I do, I call it self-correcting lace because what happens is as you're knitting along your row, you very quickly realize that, okay, I do this knit two together yarn over. And when I knit those two together, I have a red stitch going over top of the blue stitch. And if you're knitting along and all of a sudden you try to knit two together and the colors are in the wrong place, you have an immediate check and immediate feedback that something has gone wrong. Or if you're knitting along and it says slip the next stitch and the next stitch is in the same color you're working and it's not slippable, you know something's gone wrong. So it actually gives you immediate feedback as opposed to getting to the end of the row and not having enough stitches or having too many stitches because you know how that works. Oh my gosh. I love this. I think this is fabulous. I love that you have put this together. Um, your publisher is Stackpole Books. Uh, they're, they're, they always publish really great books out there. And I, so now that the book is complete, you're out there, you're kind of doing this tour of, okay, I have a book out. 
you know, how does it feel? How, I mean, that's, it's a big, as you said, you had six months to get everything done. It's a big thing to finish. How do you feel? Yeah, I had six months to get it done, and then it took two years for it to be published. So it was a whole lot of hurry up and wait. Right. Um, it, it is not as much of a relief as I thought it would be that, really? it's, that it's out there. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm excited it's out there, and I'm incredibly excited that everyone finally gets to see the pieces because I've been wanting to show them to people. But now, um, you know, it's, it, the publication isn't the end. Um, right. You have to support. You have to support your book. You you have to go on podcasts. You you have to. I just did my, I just did my first uh, book signing this weekend, and it was so much fun. And if I could do that every weekend, I would because being able to actually interact with the knitters who are buying the book and talk to them and answer their questions, and the best thing was helping them pick out yarn for these yes. projects. It was yes. it was absolutely fabulous. So it into a different state, I guess, because there's still stuff to do yes. because um, people are going to start knitting these projects and people are going to have questions. And I want to provide that pattern support. And we're thinking about maybe doing a knit along in my Ravelry group. And, you know, you just have to continue. So it, it wasn't a, hey, it's published. Now I can move on and do something yeah. else. I mean, I am doing other stuff. You're right. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of doing a knit along. I think that that would be something really fantastic um, that people should check into. And if they wanted to find your Ravelry group, where would they go? Obviously uh, to Ravelry, but what's the name of the group? Uh, Barbara Benson Designs. There I'm you go. Very creative. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And as you guys heard the intro music, she also has a YouTube channel, um, Watch Barbara Knit. And you can check that out also. I will make sure I put a link to that in the show notes as well. But um, tell us a little bit real quickly about your YouTube channel. What can people expect to find there? Um, well, I call it knittertainment. Okay. It's um, One thing is I have a short attention span. So most of my videos are in the 20 minutes and under range. Okay. Um, because I try, I try to get to the point. I do vlogs. I do um, uh, instructional videos. Like I've been putting up, there's a couple, when I get feedback through Ravelry or through Facebook that somebody's having difficulty with a stitch, I'll make an instructional video for this stitch. Um, I do book reviews. I do this thing that's lots of fun called Secret Shopper, where I have someone else shop for me. I give them a budget. And then they buy me something knitting or fiber related and have it shipped to me. And then I open it up on camera. So it's like a mystery package and it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. I actually just, uh, just filmed one yesterday that'll be going up on Thursday. The last Thursday of every month is my secret shopper. Um, you could be my secret shopper if you wanted to. Um, I can shop. Well, and it's a lot of fun, and you know, it's kind of like getting a little present every um, every month to myself. But it also has provided me with a way to give a platform to other business people in the industry. Uh, but I don't, I didn't want to be asking for free stuff, so you know, I give them a budget; it's purchased and sent to me, so that um, other people can see cool stuff because. I know as much as I try to find out what's out there, other people, there's so many Etsy stores and so many products and so many amazing things out there in this industry that it's fun to see what people come up with. Somebody, somebody sent me a Nostapina. A, a what? A, a Nostapina. It's this, what it's this like wooden stick that you use to hand wind a, a ball of yarn. Oh, okay. And I put it out of the box and I'm like, so you sent me a... <laughs> but it had instructions it had instructions on it so then i made another video of me trying to figure out how to use this tool with, awesome. with mixed success on that <laughs> that and with awesome. that i learned i learned that people on youtube really enjoy watching you fail at something <laughs> Because as long as you have a good sense of humor about it, 
they're cool with it too because yeah. me and the Nokia Pina did not get along particularly well. <laughs> but it was fun. And I love um, that. I, I also do something I call pattern tours. Okay. Um which are intended to be supplementary to all the photographs I put up on Ravelry. And it's actually me doing a video of showing off a new pattern. I'm like, here's what it looks like. And I put it on so you can see proportions. And I talk a bit about what I was thinking about when I designed it, but it's sort of an in motion exposure to the patterns. Like there is a pattern tour for every piece in the book. So That's if you awesome. wanted to see what it, what it looks like and what it drapes. And I just do, you know, whatever strikes my fancy. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. You, you, I love YouTube. Yeah, YouTube's a really great tool. It's a really great – I've been doing it for a couple of years now. And um, I, it's, it's interesting to me because the YouTube side of my stuff, uh, it's neither here nor there, but it's like the – the podcast side is really more like the, this is where you're going to get me. Whereas the YouTube side is more of my teaching self. You know what I mean? It's not that I'm not myself, but I'm, you know, I'm my teaching self. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. I find it, I find it interesting. I need to combine the two, I think, because um, I feel a lot. And if, if YouTubers like that, <laughs> I, just I would be a hit. <laughs> you know, it's, um, I talk way too much with my hands to be a podcaster. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, I do a lot of gesticulating and, um, it's just, I, I contemplated the podcast, but I love the fact how visual YouTube is. And I can actually say, Hey, I got some new yarn and here's what it looks like. You know, right. it's, it's got a, a wonderful, um, connectivity to it. Absolutely. I, I have a lot of fun with it. I agree with you. I agree with you. Well, Barbara, it's the time of the show that we give away prizes. We're at the, the final home stretch, the last 10 minutes. And you have a, a copy of the book to give away to a call-in listener today and a copy of the book okay. to give away to a commenter. So go ahead and sit back and relax. I'm going to explain how this works. If you are listening live to the Yarn Thing podcast with Marley Bird, welcome. We are glad you are here. The guest call-in number is 347 539 5589-347-539-5589. Pick up your phone and give us a call, and you will be placed on the switchboard here on, on my screen, and um, we will randomly select a winner from all of those phone numbers that show up on the switchboard here in just a minute. But if you are not listening live, don't worry, there's still a chance for you to win as well. After the podcast today, Tammy, my social media Medusa, is what we call her, will put the show notes up over at MarleyBird.com. You'll go to MarleyBird.com, click on the blog, the drop-down menu for the blog or the podcast, and it will take you to the show notes. And you'll just find the show notes for today's show, or if you're listening to a previous podcast, find the show notes for that show. In the show notes, you will find a brief synopsis of everything we spoke about, including links and images and all that good stuff. So if there's something we talked about that you're not sure what it is, you can most likely find it in the show notes. At the bottom of that post, you'll see where it says leave a reply or leave a comment. And that's what you're going to do, literally leave a reply or leave a comment. That includes the keyword that Barbara will give us here in just a minute. That keyword is sort of like your golden ticket. That's your proof that you actually listen to the show. And so when we go back to that, those show notes about two to three weeks after the original air date and choose a winner, we make sure that winner has made, um, has used the keyword in their comment before they are, you know, to make sure that they can win. So yes, you heard that correctly. I go back about two to three weeks after the original air date. We want you to have a chance to go back and listen to the podcast because we know life gets busy and you can't listen to it just right on the dot all the time. Um, and so I, I know that there are some of you out there that binge listen, and I don't know how you listen to me all day long, but you do. And, you know, God bless you for it. But <laughs> uh, there's always a chance for you to go back and somebody was on the show and you're like, oh, I really would like to win that prize. Go back, find the show notes. They're always at MarleyBird.com. And if you leave your comment, if we haven't chosen a winner yet, you still have a chance to win. So hopefully that clears some things up. If this is the first time you've listened to the show, welcome. We are glad you're here. We are blessed that we have people come on the show and we always offer a prize with every podcast. It is so rare that there's a podcast that happens that we don't offer a prize. So if you are one of those people that really likes to get free stuff, 
<laughs> you should make sure you join us here on the, with the podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays or on Facebook Live on the Marley Bird Facebook page. So what I will do now is I am looking for Tammy. I think I found her. And I'm going to bring Tammy on the line. And Tammy is going to choose a winner from a previous podcast. And she will get the uh, keyword from uh, Barbara for the show notes. So let's see here if I have Tammy. Are you there? I'm here. Hello. Hi, Tam. We have about eight minutes. Okay. So, Barb, you and I are going to go back and look at previous show notes. By the way, nice to meet you. (laughs) Nice to meet you. We're going to look at um, when uh, Deidre Ace was on the program. She's You may know her from the Sophie's Universe that's been so beloved on the Internet lately. Um, Mm -hmm. I've used the random generator, and it's chosen um, Colleen's comment. Um, Colleen, everybody that commented was supposed to use, I believe it was Sophie or Sophie's Universe or Sophie's Garden um, as their code word, and uh, Colleen did. I'm looking forward to making a Sophie's Universe because, firstly, genius needs to be celebrated, smiley face. What a lot of work went into her creation. I am so, so a crocheter, so I think I will learn more stitches. And, oh, she said I'm a so-so crocheter. I will learn many more stitches and color combinations through this journey. So I have already sent her an email and um, let her know that she is the winner from those show notes. Did you have – go ahead. No, you're good. I was just saying fantastic. Thanks. Um, Barb, did you have a uh, code word that people should include in their comments on the show notes? Is a phrase okay? Yeah. So it's what I'm signing all of the books. I say, slip it good. Like the Devo song. Slip it good. (laughs) That is good. (laughs) Slip it good. That's awesome. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. So slip it good is your phrase, everybody. Make sure you incorporate that into your comments. And I want to remind you once again, you must leave your comments on the show notes, which are available at MarleyBird.com. We love your comments on Facebook, on Twitter, on Ravelry. But to be entered for a chance to win, it must be on the show notes because that is where Tammy goes to look at all of the comments and randomly select a winner. So make sure you leave your comments. And they're always available at MarleyBird.com. How many times can I say MarleyBird.com? We should make it a drinking game. Uh, (laughs) MarleyBird.com. All right, Barbara, I am over here at the switchboard. You have 46 callers. There's a lot of people that really want your book. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's fabulous. that, That is so many. So what I'm going to do is I have my mouse over top of the switchboard, and by scrolling up and down, I'm just randomly, like, I'm literally just scrolling. It looks like it just goes, you know? And so when you say stop, wherever my cursor is, that will be the lucky winner. Okay. All right. So I'm going. already? Yes. Okay. Stop. All right. Hands up. Look. That's 616. Let me click on this. 616, hello? Hello? Are you there? Don't be shy. You're the lucky winner. 616-893. Going once. Sounds like me. Is it you? Yes. It is. It's you. What's your name, hon? Whitney Martin. Hello, Whitney Martin. Where are you calling us from? I am calling from Michigan. I am so excited. <laughs> Whitney, you seem a little bit like choked up a little bit. It's all right, you're good. Say hi, say hi to Barbara. Hi, Barbara. How are you? Hello, I'm just fine. So I'm at home. I'm at work, and I was at this. So I'm going to get away from All right, so Whitney's at work, everybody, if you didn't catch that. So she's stepping away from her desk. So usually we're always, we'll joke around and we'll whisper, like, don't worry, nobody can hear you at work. So, but Whitney (laughs) from Michigan, congratulations. You have won Barbara Benson's new book, Mosaic and Lace Knit. Are you a lace knitter? No, I'm not. I am just getting started with knitting and I signed up for your knit-along that starts next week. I'm trying to figure out my gauge. So, yeah, this is all, all right. me. All right. 
So, Whitney, what will happen is once you finish the shawl with me, practice a little bit with the lace. Like, I'll, I'll teach you the, the very basics, but then you just listened to the show and heard Barbara mention that you could try out the mittens to kind of get yourself accustomed to um, the mosaic part. And then the, the, the scarf and the shawl pattern that she mentioned, just kind of sample combining the two. Um, and, and apparently, if you join her Ravelry group, there's going to be a knit-along, and maybe there'll be a knit-along for one of those great pieces. Yes, okay, sounds exciting. Fantastic. Well, Whitney, um, I'm very mm-hmm. happy you won, and thank you for listening. To get your prize, I thank need you to email me, just winner okay. at yarnthingpodcast.com. Winner okay. at com. Super simple. I can do that. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> How exciting. All right. All right. Bye, Whitney. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, it's so cute. I love it. She's like, I think that's me. (laughs) It's like, yes, it is. Congratulations. Very cool. Well, Barbara, I seriously have had such a great time talking with you. I have, um, like I said, I've been a fan of yours for a while, and I I love what you're doing, and I love the the adventures you're going on with your knitting. I can't wait to see what's going on next. Um, I can't either. (laughs) I don't don't always know. I don't always know what's happening next. I love it. Um, I love it. You can count on a lot more shawls, though, because I don't think I'll ever stop designing shawls. Okay. I understand. I understand. So once again, they can uh, join you on your Ravelry group. Do you have a Facebook page also? Yes, I have a Facebook page. Pretty much everything else, my name is Tumped Duck, T-U-M-P-E-D, Duck. And that's on Ravelry. That's on um, Facebook. Okay, you're going to ask me about Tumped, aren't you? So when I was trying to come up with a name for my company um, that I could get all the URLs and anytime a new social media, anything, I I really felt I needed to get something unique that I would be able to get regardless. And Tumped is actually a Southern colloquialism that I have discovered is very, very hyper-local to where I was raised in Southern Indiana near Louisville, Kentucky. And Tumped Tumped is a word, and it's a real word. You can look it up in the dictionary. Um, So if you reach your hand across the table to do something and accidentally brush the salt shaker, it just kind of tumps over. It's a non-catastrophic falling over. I always say that Southern women, when they've drank a little too much, they don't fall out of the chairs. They just sort of genteely tump over. (laughs) It's, it's a, it's just a tump. It's just a little. It's not like, you know, you can tump over a glass of water, or my son has picked it up. I find amazing. We were driving past, and um, a semi had taken a turn too quickly, and it was just kind of. And my son goes, "Mommy, the truck tumped over." Oh. <laughs> it definitely did tump over. So. Um, so and duck, duck had the same sound. It was sort of alliterative, so we ended up at Tump Duck. But I'm Tump Duck on Facebook. I'm Tump Duck on Instagram. I'm Tump Duck on Twitter. Um, my website is TumpedDuck.com. So and anytime anything new pops up, I'm gonna be Tump Duck there. I love it. I love it. All right, so they can find you just about everywhere. And don't worry, everybody, we will make sure we put the links in the show notes as well so you'll be able to uh, follow Barbara wherever she goes on her wonderful mosaic and lace adventure. All right, Barbara, I had so much fun talking to you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. All right, you go have a wonderful day there in Georgia. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Absolutely enjoyed conversation with her, you guys. Barbara Benson is her name. Her book is Mosaic and Lace Knits. I did put my Amazon affiliate link um, in the show notes and on Facebook Live so you can check out all the information there. Seriously, what a beautiful book. I was sitting here scrolling, I want to say flipping through the pages, but scrolling through the pages um, on my digital copy. And this year, it, it's really beautiful work. Lovely charts, beautiful images. You will not struggle with any of the instructions because they're very well written. And as you heard Barbara said, she's there to offer support through her Ravelry group. Um, so there 
there's there's lots of ways for you to really give this a try. And congratulations to Whitney um, there in Michigan uh, winning her very own copy of the book. And don't forget, those of you who did not get a chance to win live on the air today, there's still a chance for you to win by going to the show notes which are usually available about two to three hours after the podcast originally airs, and they're over at marleybird.com, right? How many times can we say that? So let's hit our exit music here. I love this music. It makes me so happy. Thank you guys so much for joining me today on the podcast uh, here on this beautiful Tuesday. I want to remind you that there is no podcast this Thursday because I will be traveling to Stitches United, which is in Hartford, Connecticut. I still have a room in a couple of my classes. If you want to come, say hello and take an in-person class with me. I would love to uh, see you there. So make sure you stop by, say hi, and let's get a selfie together. All right. Thank you so much to Red Heart Yarn, where I'm the proud national spokesperson. Stitches that event. Crafty.com, Aaron Lane Bags, Creative Bugs, and Buffalo Wool Company. Hope you guys will catch me again next week. I'll talk to you soon.